Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast, and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. I released my inner fanboy this week. I spoke with Jason Weidman. He is Senior Vice President at Medtronic and President of Coronary and, yes, Renal Dernovation at Medtronic. I've never hidden my fandom for renal renovation. I've been following the story for a long time and happy to see it's in the hands of Jason Weidman, who uh, is really expressive in his belief in the therapy and in Medtronic's commitment to the therapy. So had a great time talking with Jason about his, uh, his start in MedTech and also uh, his and the company's commitment to renal renovation. So I know you'll enjoy this conversation with Jason Weidman. But before we begin this conversation, I want to bring in Sean Campbell. Sean is Vice President and General Manager of Freudenberg Medical Minimally Invasive Surgery in the U.S. Sean, tell us about Freudenberg Medical. Sure, Tom. We're a global design and contract manufacturing partner for OEMs that support a true product lifecycle from early stage development out all the way through manufacturing. We have 11 strategic global locations and our expert design capabilities cover early stage ideation and concept development, rapid prototyping and iteration, and full-scale development of both product and processes. Our manufacturing capabilities range from high-precision modal components, medical tubing, drug coatings, catheter shafts, handles, hypotubes, and overall finished devices for minimally invasive surgery. For many years, we've been a key partner for Medtronic, and we continue to build this relationship by consistently adding value to what they're trying to achieve. And we look forward to continuing to build this partnership in the future. That's great. We'll hear more from Sean and Freudenberg Medical a little later in the episode. If you'd like to find out more about Freudenberg Medical, you can go to freudenbergmedical.com. Freudenberg is spelled F-R-E-U. D-E-N-B-E-R-G. That's freudenbergmedical.com. Now let's start this interview with Jason Weidman of Medtronic. Well, Jason Weidman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. So you're, you're going to learn that I'm a huge uh, renal renovation fanboy. Uh, I've been uh, following the story for, for a long time. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about the program and, and where it's headed. But uh, before we get into that, I always like to find out a little bit about your path into medtech. Looking at your, your background, it seems as if you jumped into medtech uh, right at a time when you probably could have joined a company selling cat food online or something like that during the dot-com boom. <laughs> <laughs> what, what brought you to our, our humble sector? Yeah, it's funny. And I guess the first thing I'll say since you mentioned that is when I, uh, when I was about a year or two out of grad school and I had breakfast with a bunch of my friends, I was the only person of the group of five that wasn't worth over a million dollars on paper from all of those <laughs> dot, dot com. So, so there was that, that brief period of time where I thought maybe I'd gone into the wrong industry, but it didn't really work out for any of them. Um, but, you know, I've, I've listened to a lot of these other podcasts that you've done with my colleagues. And it's been really interesting to see and hear about the different paths. And I think I'm probably the anomaly where 
I'm actually that odd person that's working in the industry that I aspired to work in since high school. Wow. So uh, I did not know about the medical device industry in high school or even immediately after college. I certainly knew that they existed, but I didn't know that it had this community. What, what was it about, uh, about MedTech that, that drew you in at that early age? Yeah, so I grew up in Michigan and, um, you know, it's probably a little different than a lot of other places in the country. But when you're good at math and science, people immediately and at an early stage kind of push you on that engineering track. And that's probably the, the influence of the auto industry. Um, but for me, un- unfortunately, I had a, a really close friend in high school who was, who was terminally ill. And uh, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time going with him to treatments and seeing how that, um, how that was going for him. And, um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily a happy place. You could see how treatments could get better, how healthcare could be better. And so I, it was really at that point where I thought, if I'm going to be on this engineering path, I want to direct it towards medicine and, and trying to make healthcare better. Well, that's that's a terrible, uh, a terrible reason to to have that inspiration. But it's good that you acted on it and uh, and remain at it today. So so bully for you. Thank you. Now you're you're probably leading up. I I, I would I, I I don't think it's a stretch to say it's one of the most high profile, or we could say highest profile new therapeutics uh, therapeutic areas in the business. I mean, we've been tracking uh, renal innovation since well when. Ardian started up over a decade ago, and of course, Medtronic famously bought it before that. I know you weren't involved at that point, but it has been one of these stories that has kind of come and gone uh, in anticipation, but but I think people are excited to see what it can become, and Medtronic has the uh, the highest profile program in the space. How did you come to to lead this group, and, and, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about what renal innovation is? Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I actually do have a pretty long history with it because I've been with Medtronic's vascular side of the businesses almost my entire time here mm-hmm. at the company, so about 15 years. And so I was part of the original team uh, at Medtronic that identified Ardian as a separate small company uh, and that um, drove that acquisition. Oh, interesting. Now, after we, acqu- yeah, after we acquired Ardian, we kind of had it separate, um, and it was running as a separate independent business up until Hypertension 3. Um, but then after we had the, the Hypertension 3 efficacy failure in 2014, uh, that's when I really got involved with the program the first time. Mm-hmm. Then kind of went through my, my Medtronic career, uh, spent some time away from RDN for a few years. And then last year with our, our operating model change, I, I came back to, uh, to lead the coronary and, and RDN uh, operating unit and to bring it over the finish line. That's great. Well, let's let's take a moment and just kind of circle back and, and, and tell folks, for, for folks who don't know what, what it does and how it works, give us the, get the two-minute overview of what, uh, what you're trying to do. Yeah. So, um, look at, at, at it's ve- at the very core of how blood pressure works. Kidneys are are, are part of the, the body's blood pressure control mechanism. So, communication to and, and from the brain on on how to regulate the kidneys' activity it happens via the nerves, obviously. And as those nerves near the kidney, they travel in the walls of the renal artery or, or the artery that that leads to the kidney. So, patients with high blood pressure they often have overactivity in these nerves. So if we can interrupt that overactivity, kind of get rid of the noise, we can bring down blood pressure. So renal innervation is a, is a minimally invasive outpatient procedure. And in a lot of respects, it's, it's quite similar for the patient to like a coronary stent procedure, except there's no permanent implant. 
And so through femoral access or, or a tiny incision in your leg, a, a small device is inserted uh, up through the arteries and then to that renal artery that leads to the kidney. And then our Medtronic Simplicity Spiral device delivers energy, and we use radio frequency or RF energy. So we deliver energy to the wall of the artery to impact those nerves and try to calm that overactivity that I spoke about earlier. And so this can in, is simply help to uh, lower blood pressure. Interesting. So at the time, and it's good to know that you were you were part of the team that identified Ardian because Ardian was the the highest profile project out there. But there were many. The numbers of how many vary from four to like 30, 36. Uh, every major company seemed to have a program. Every venture capital firm seemed to have one in their company in their portfolio. Uh, what was it about Ardian's approach? I assume you looked at many. Uh, what was it about Ardian's approach and the approach you currently have that really stood out for you? Well, I think um, Ardian was first, yeah. uh, first and foremost. They had a strong IP position. The, uh, I, I think we believed in the science. They, they had the most in-depth science of, of all the companies out there. Uh, and, and we just, you know, like any small company that you're evaluating, you look at the, the science, you look at the technology, and you look at the management team, and, and all of those things were really strong, and we felt good about that acquisition. And talk a bit about the, the, the challenges that have, have come. Uh, we'll talk a bit about the AKU issued a little bit uh, a little bit ago. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, in January 2014, uh, obviously, the, the first results came out from, uh, from the earliest uh, Simplicity trial. I think it was Simplicity. If I'm forgetting the name of the trial, please correct me. Hypertension 3. Hypertension 3. That was the that was the the big that was the doozy. Yeah, that was the doozy, and, and it and it and it and it. However many renal denervation programs that were prior to that, there were almost zero after that, and it seemed to really shake this this uh, therapeutic area to to its core. Can you speak to to what happened with that clinical trial and? How did what happened after that? The results came out. It would have been easy, and I think a lot of people walked away thinking Medtronic wasn't going to be pursuing this anymore. And and I don't think that was ever the case. Are you able to sort of talk us through what happened after? Uh, on, on yeah, sure. Yep. We're going to take a break from this conversation to bring back Sean Campbell. He's vice president and general manager of Freudenberg Medical Minimally Invasive Surgery in the U.S. Sean, tell me, what sets Freudenberg Medical apart from other contract manufacturers? It's around four key things. Number one, we're a truly full-service partner through the entire product lifecycle. From early concept development, prototyping and iteration, product development, process development and validation, all the way in and through manufacturing. Number two, we have a high degree of vertical integration, which allows us to collaborate across multiple sites around the globe and provide the best solution for our customers. If it can't be done at one of our sites, it can be done at another. Number three, we have a significant horsepower in design for both product and processes. We have a large pool of engineering resources across the globe that can address a wide range of customer needs. And number four, and most important, is our proprietary technology platform. Our IP around our platform technology allows customers a quicker time to market. It's both modular and customizable and allows our customers to start on second base. Let the customer focus on their area of expertise and allow us to provide them with a customizable solution for their clinical application. Finally, Sean, let's look ahead. As a contract manufacturer, what changes are you noticing in the industry? That's a great question. Some of the industry-wide changes have been discussed for a while now, and that's a continuation of supplier consolidation and more specialization coming from customers. 
Another trend that we're seeing on our end is the continued push towards miniaturization and the challenges associated with integrating more functionality into less space, especially in the fields like cardiovascular, neurovascular, and gastroenterology, where customers are coming to us with intricate sensors and asking for help in integrating these critical and delicate components. We've been able to determine what the requirements are to maintain continuity of signal transfer and connectivity from proximal to distal and how to manipulate the architecture when these components experience both strain and compression simultaneously. Our experience with sensor integration has helped us find solutions for how to best cope with the stacking intolerances and the refinements needed to make processes more repeatable and better fine-tuned for full-scale manufacturing. Fantastic. Thanks again, Sean, and thanks again, Freudenberg Medical, for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. For more information, go to freudenbergmedical.com. Are you able to sort of talk us through what happened after? Uh, on, on Jan- yeah, sure. Yep. Sure. So, so I think that's, that's almost two different questions. Yeah, it so certainly first, is. You yeah. know, what, what, I would have asked a third if you hadn't stopped ten, me, so thank you. <laughs> maybe 10 different questions. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the first is um, what happened or, or maybe what did we, we learn from hypertension three? And so uh, for those who weren't familiar, there were, there were two earlier studies, larger studies, hypertension one and hypertension two, that were single arm studies that were very, very positive, showing a blood pressure lowering effect of, of Ardian. Um, hypertension three was the large randomized sham controlled study in the US. And so, um, and that what, what happened was we missed the efficacy endpoint. What we saw was even though the device um, seemed to have an effect, we also saw an effect from the control arm. So there wasn't a, a difference or a, or a statistically significant difference. And so at that highest level, I would say what we learned is that variability is absolutely the enemy of running a successful clinical trial. So, you know, blood pressure trials in particular are super hard to run because there are so many outside variables that affect blood pressure and they're hard to control. And so in short, what we found in hypertension three was that we had too much variability to measure a clean signal from the device. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That does make sense. No, and it's something I've heard from, from uh, well, other, another company in the space as well, just uh, managing the amount of meds being taken, the lifestyle, the adherence to the other meds being taken, and trying to figure out what impact your device is having on the patient uh, is difficult to quantify. So it, it certainly does match yeah. up. So. Did it, was it immediately known to you that this is an issue with execution on a trial? Let's fix that problem, and then we'll, we'll find out what this technology can do. No, it wasn't, it wasn't certainly immediately known. And, and we really analyzed everything about the procedure, about the patient population, about the device, uh, and really tried to figure out what went wrong. And I would say, if you break it down, I would say from a procedure perspective, uh, number one, we were likely ablating in a suboptimal place which would create uh, an inconsistent response. Uh, number two, our, our first generation device, which was called the flex catheter, it was a single point catheter. Mm-hmm. Um, at at the, the way it was used, it enabled significant variability in, in how the physicians uh, placed it and, and thus um, the type of response you got. And so the, the post-analysis data suggested we had uh, incomplete ablations in a huge percent of our patients. Uh, and as you mentioned, and probably most importantly, uh, we just didn't have good control or even visibility 
to patient medication changes, which obviously can completely confound your results. So we knew if we were going to go forward with this program, we were going to need to address all of those things. And so um, as we have moved the program forward, um, you know, these are all things that we've addressed to the best of our ability. You know, we changed the, the ablation location. We moved to this new spiral device, which takes out uh, uh, variability and is much easier to use. Um, and we take a lot more care in terms of patient blood pressure medications. Uh, we actually watch patients take their pills before important blood pressure measurements in the trial. Um, we trace what drugs are in their system via urinalysis and blood samples, uh, et cetera. So even if things go uh, in a direction they weren't, aren't supposed to go with a patient, they're doing something they're not supposed to do, we can control from that for that now because we know exactly what they're doing. Are, are these trials, managing these trials, is this more difficult than, than other clinical specialties in med tech, not just in Medtronic, but is, is this an unusually difficult type of trial to, to run? I mean, you guys are swinging for the fences, so it understandably could be, but... I, I would say that these are the most difficult trials uh, I've certainly ever been involved in, the most sophisticated trials I've been involved in. Uh, and that's been echoed by people like Rick Koontz, who, who obviously know a few things about doing clinical trials. <laughs> For sure. So where is, uh, is well, what is the program? Where have you been in the last couple of years? I want to hit upon the, the AK and, and what's coming up next. But uh, you've been running, what, what trials have been you been running uh, for the last well, gosh, I'm, I'm losing track of the calendar. The last, what, what's been going on since, say, 2015 or, or, or in, in 2021, where, where we currently are? What's, what's the renal denervation program look like? Yeah, so, so after really looking at hypertension 3 and analyzing those results, like we, we talked about, and, and making the determination to move forward, which, which I will call out, I think was a bold move by Medtronic. Sure. And, and I think, you know, frankly, most, most companies would have quit. And in fact, most companies, as you pointed out, did quit. They did quit, absolutely. And uh, yeah, you, you know, it's, it's funny. I've actually said that it was one of my proudest moments at Medtronic when we made the decision to, to keep going on this. Um, you know, I remember Omar saying, you know, when we had the hypertension 3 failure, he said something like, you know, that's why they call it a clinical trial and not a clinical guarantee. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, go figure out if we can really have an impact on patients. And when we came back and said, we think we can solve this and we can have this big impact, people were, were about going forward. So this is, this was really the Medtronic mission in action. That's great. Yeah. So we, so we started, um, so we restarted the clinical trial program. And so it's been a series of clinical trials you know, and where we are today, if we just kind of fast forward to where we are today and, and look backwards, you know, we have an enormous body of clinical evidence for RDN at this point, and we continue to demonstrate time and time again, the safety and, and efficacy of this device in those trials. And, um, you know, I, I've said this a few times over the past couple of months in other settings, but in my 25 years in med tech, I don't think I've seen another therapy that's pre-approval that already has this much positive evidence. That's that's a good good space to be, and and and, a, and, and it would allow for all the excitement and anticipation for for this product. I mean, it's been talked about in your analyst calls. Jeff Martha's mentioned it a few times as one of your higher growth areas, along with Hugo the Robot, which is another obviously high profile uh, um, project. What is it like managing a program? with the where the expectations are, are are so justifiably high i think it's fun it's exciting <laughs> right i mean uh you know as i said to you like i'm um i'm a medical device guy who found his way into business not a business guy who found his way into medical devices and so my my whole career and i think the the 
what most people are at Medtronic for is to make a difference in medicine. And what better opportunity than to transform hypertension care? I, I really can't think of another opportunity like this. This is a once in a career opportunity. So it's, it's all good. The expectations are fine. That's great. So let's talk a bit about uh, the AK that came out uh, last month. And well, I think it was in October. I'm trying to remember where I am on the calendar now. Yeah, I know there was there was hope that you'd have some positive news to share at TCT. Then the then the AK came out, and the and the news wasn't what you expected it to be. Can you talk about what where things fell fell short and and where you're going from here? Yeah, sure. Good, good question, Tom. And I and I think um, let me provide a, a little bit of context for it sure. so that um, the the listeners can understand. So I mentioned we have this huge clinical trial program, and in, you know more specifically, our clinical program for FDA approval, it, it consists of four randomized sham controlled studies. So those were both uh, in the presence and absence of blood pressure lowering medications. Uh, and then we also have a very large real world data set. So at this point, now we have three of those four sham controlled studies are successfully complete and have shown the technology and procedure are safe and, and that it works. That real world data set, which we call um, the Glo- Global Simplicity Registry, has enrolled 3,000 patients, including many of those at, at high risk, so high risk patient groups. And we've seen a really strong and consistent blood pressure lowering effect in that trial. And, and what's great is 2,500 of those patients are now out to three years. And so that, that effect has been sustained out to three years. And so everything at this, at this point, everything so far looks great. So all that's left to finish is that final, that number four out of four uh, sham controlled study. And so that's the spiral on-med trial. And, and so it's this trial, the on-med trial, that was the subject of the, of the 8K that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the, the on-med trial is a, a Bayesian design. So going back to your, your question about complex trials, it's a super complex trial. It's a particular flavor of Bayesian that's, that's new and novel and hasn't been used in medical devices before. And, and it includes um, pre-specified interim looks that allow you to stop the trial early if certain criteria are met. So essentially, if the results are better than expected or, or better than what we planned for when we designed the trial, um, you can stop it early. And uh, this was pretty widely known in the financial community um, that we had one of these pre-specified looks here early in October. And, and given that our early pilot results uh, for OnMed were, were really strong, there was a lot of hope that we could see better than expected results in, in the trial early. Well, we heard back in, uh, in October from our independent uh, data safety monitoring board. So we don't look at the data ourselves. We're completely blinded to it. And what that independent board told us is that they recommended that we continue trial enrollment, that we should continue as planned and continue until the full sample size is reached. So the 8K was, was simply an update to the financial community on timing. And we put it out there to maintain our transparency on, on what's going on with the program. So where do we, uh, where you go fr- from here? What, uh, do you, have you said when you may be able to provide the, the update that that's necessary to sort of close a loop on, on the trials? Yeah, yeah, we have. And, and so um, we expect that we'll have data uh, some by the end of uh, next calendar year, sometime by the end of next calendar year. So we just have to finish enrollment in the trial, which we're kind of on that last lap. And then there's a six month um, uh, follow up period to the primary endpoint. We'll have those data sometime next year. And and how do you as a, as a, as a business person building this business up, what does that do for your plans in terms of ramping up for hopefully ultimately 
commercialization? Do you put things on hold? Do you do you still sort of build with a, with an approval in mind? What what's going on in that in that area? Yeah, I, it's a good question, Tom. And I I think what's most important is that the timing impact doesn't um, or the timing update doesn't impact our confidence and our high confidence in Ardian at all. So mm-hmm. this is just a trial that's not complete. And so, as I mentioned earlier, we have a ton of clinical evidence on this therapy already that's all pointed in the same direction, and that's positive. So we're, we're certainly not um, holding up things that are time-sensitive. Uh, we continue to advance our plans. Um, but there are also other things that you do only when you're very close to approval. So let's say as you're starting to, to supplement your field force or put particular field-facing roles in place, uh, you know, it doesn't make sense to put those in, you know, two years in advance. So, so things like that, we would hold off on. Excellent. It's a great story. As I said up top, I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a fanboy of the technology. And, and, and I do give credit to Medtronic for sticking with it because I think you folks are really, I think this market's future sort of hinges upon this program. There are other companies out there that are doing it, but even they're looking to you to sort of open some doors and, 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 and blaze a trail. Um, I asked you this before and you said it's fun and I think that's great, but what is it, how does it feel to be, to, to, you've joined an industry where you wanted to make a difference. You're in position to make a huge difference uh, if things go, go well. Uh, what's it like going to work every day, knowing that's, that's sort of the, uh, the, the likely hopefully outcome. Uh, I, I mean, it is, like I said, exactly what I've wanted to do. It's exciting for me to get up every day. Um, I, mean, I, I actually wish there were maybe 36 hours in a day instead of 24 <laughs> hours a day because there would be more time to spend on it. I just really get super excited about the prospect of, like I said earlier, about transforming how hypertension is treated. And, you know, I think it's because it, we've, you know, you and I were talking about this, it's such an enormous problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the facts, more than a billion people worldwide have high blood pressure. It costs our healthcare systems about $400 billion annually. It's, uh, it's the largest contributor to death. However, despite all of this, um, what we have today just isn't working. Mm-hmm. So less than one in five people have their blood pressure under control. So it's less than 20%. And this is just so sad because small, small reductions in blood pressure make a big difference on health outcomes. So, so a drop of just two millimeters of mercury in systolic blood pressure. So when you go to the doctor and you get that cuff and they measure it, they give you those two numbers, that top number, if that goes down by just two points, that results in a 10% reduction in stroke and a 7% reduction in ischemic heart disease mortality over a patient's lifetime. Wow. So contemplate that. It, it, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's such an opportunity for us. And, and what's, you know, also sad about this is that drugs do work. It's just people don't take them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if you look at the data and there's tons and tons of studies out there on, on drug compliance, only about half of people are fully compliant with their blood pressure drug regimen at a year. And a full... 20% of them don't take anything at all. Wow. So we desperately, desperately need more tools to treat high blood pressure and, and so do patients. And, and I truly believe, as does our organization, that Ardian is one of those potential answers. And it has the, the, the possibility to fill that void because it's, it's, you know, we think of it as always on. There's mm-hmm. no need to worry about taking pills every day. It's just a one-time procedure. It appears that it's durable. Um, it's not going to get rid of medications for all patients. But it's going to um, 
it's going to serve a, a great purpose for many. That's fantastic. And just final question and sort of circling back to my question about your, your path into medtech. You are an engineer. You went to Stanford at like 97. I joked about the dot-com thing. I, I wonder if you could speak to other engineers out there. I mean, you're, you have a lot of engineers who go into industry where they don't have to deal with an FDA and clinical trials and, and everything you need to do to prove that the work you're doing uh, is, is effective. What is it about for you as an engineer that, that has made, uh, made work in the medical device field so, uh, so, so worthwhile? And, uh, and what would you tell future engineers like my son, who's 16 and looking at this industry or looking at a technical industry? What would you say to young people who want to apply their technical skills? What would you say about the medical device industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Tom. And, and I think it kind of comes back to some of the earlier things we talked about, which is, you know, you want to pick a career, whether it's engineering or anything else in an industry that gets you excited to wake up and come to work every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think w- what better place to do that when you can bring your inventiveness and your ingenuity and your technical skills to improve people's health. And, um, and you can see that directly. You can see that direct impact of what you're making and what you're designing uh, on, on people's health. That's fantastic. Well, this is a, a great conversation. Uh, now I'm a fan of you as well as, as renal renovation. So, uh, thanks Tom. <laughs> I appreciate the insights and, uh, and we'll be tracking this story. I'm sure we'll be talking again next year. Uh, I'm sure to talk about some, some, some positive news. So thanks for joining us on the podcast, Jason. Okay. Thanks so much, Tom. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks again to Freudenberg medical for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic talks podcast. Thanks, of course, to Jason Weidman for joining us on the podcast. I really enjoyed that conversation. And thanks, of course, to you for being part of this conversation. Continue your role in this conversation by sharing this episode on social media. Please share it on Twitter. We can find me at MedTechTom or on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you there. Please also do yourself a favor and subscribe or follow this podcast. You can do that on every major podcast application. That way you will not miss a future episode of Medtronic Talks. You can also find Medtronic Talks on Medtronic.com and DeviceTalks.com. Go to DeviceTalks.com for information about our other podcasts and our in-person and digital events. Once again, go to devicetalks.com. Thanks again for joining us. Tune in next time. We'll have another great episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast waiting for you.